This is Aisha Oxley, and you're listening to Young, Original, and Black, the show that celebrates and uplifts the unique Black voices a part of this generation's creative class. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Young, Original, and Black. This is Aisha, but this is a new stage of Aisha. This is Aisha at 26. Totally brand new out here. Um, I'm just kidding. But I did recently have a birthday, so shout out to all my Libras. Um, And I'm just feeling really at peace with where I am in my life and in my journey as a creative. Um... But trust me, it's taken me a while to get here. So in this episode, I want to take a moment to pause and reflect on what I've learned uh, since graduating college, entering the world of adulthood and adulting, and then trying to find my way as a creative. So I'm going to split this into three parts. The first is a recap of the first half of my 20s. Spoiler alert, they were a hot mess. Second part is the top three creative lessons from the first half of my 20s. And then the third part is what I'm manifesting in my journey going forward. I'm choosing to get pretty personal in the first half um, sharing this story with you because I think our stories as creatives in their entirety, so not just the highlights reel that we post for the gram are one, super important to know for ourselves, but also two, to share with others who may see themselves in us. So I hope some piece of my story resonates with you and or inspires you to at least think about how you'd construct your own. So let's go ahead and get into it. All right, so I'm taking it back to 2016 when I started my first job out of college. By the end of 2017, so a year later from that point, I was overworked, underpaid, and just thoroughly disillusioned with the nonprofit industrial complex. I had been working as a teaching assistant for a youth media program. Um, And while I loved that work, like I loved working with kids, even though they can be a handful, um, it just completely drained me. So I knew I had to leave or I'd end up just like all those other teachers who were hanging on by a thread. So I left and I had no safety net. I just knew I wanted to pursue my own art again. Um, In that first year out of college, I had barely created anything. And I realized I needed so, so badly to get back to a creative practice because it was directly related to my mental health. Um, But that was all I had, though. A dollar and a dream, as they say. But no, literally, like I had no savings except a small retirement account I'd started for myself because my job didn't provide a 401k in our first year. There were just so many issues there, but I digress. I remember waking up that first day being fun employed and just 
feeling so free and light. Like no one was expecting me. My, my time was mine. It was all mine. I decided to go and uh, watch the lunar eclipse downtown, which was this once in a lifetime event that was happening in the middle of the day. I couldn't have done that if I was still working. So I just instantly felt vindicated. Like, yes, I made the right decision. Everything is just going to start falling into place. But I quickly learned that while my time was mine, the bills were still mine too. And they didn't stop because I was figuring my shit out. In the span of a month, literally everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It's like Murphy's Law, right? So my computer crashed. My bank account was overdrawn when I had a bill on auto pay and I forgot. And there was just no clear way out. So I pretty much did a 180 from that point and said, okay, maybe I do need a job. Maybe maybe this is not gonna be as smooth sailing as I thought it would be um but I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point um I knew I didn't want to go back into into education at the moment um and it's not like doors were just flying open for me the lie that they tell you when you go to Ivy's is that your degree is gonna be like a golden ticket and you will have any job you want that's not how it is you still got to work. Jobs still care more about what you know in that particular industry slash who you know. And I just didn't have that many connections outside of education. So I was like, I'm just going to start picking up some part-time jobs just to keep these bills paid um, while I continue to figure things out. And I was also trying to freelance as much as possible <laughs> once I got my computer back working again. Um, but I hadn't built up a stream of consistent clients to constitute a real income so that I didn't have to work these little part-time jobs. Um, So this commenced the portion of my story called Hustle. That's all I was doing all day, every day. Even if I wasn't actively doing some gig or commission, I was thinking about how to get the next gig or commission. And it wasn't cute or glamorous by any stretch of the imagination. On my 23rd birthday, a couple months into this, y'all, I was basically a part-time nanny chasing after a fussy kid. I remember sitting there surrounded by all his little toys, thinking like, huh, this is this is really where I'm at right now. This, this is my life one year and some change out of college with my whole Princeton degree. And that's not to say being a nanny was beneath me um it's just that I was so out of alignment with my purpose and how I know I want to be fulfilled in life so that's why I felt lost if nannying was my dream then I would have been fine but it wasn't and I just knew I was so far away from it that I I was like I was lost and it hurt Shortly after that, I mean like literally like after leaving (laughs) that house, I talked to my mom um, who still had access to my bank account. So she kind of knew what was what was going on. And I was venting. I was talking about how this isn't supposed to be my life. And though I didn't say it then, 
how I really owed her and my family so much more than this because if you come from a black family, um, you know that it's kind of ingrained in us uh, culturally that you're expected to give back to your family. So not only did I feel lost because I was out of alignment with my purpose, but also because I didn't think that I was fulfilling this perceived obligation to provide for my family. But what my mom did for me, what she's always so good at doing is putting things into perspective. So she was like, you're hustling and you're out there and you're making it happen. Um, You're piecing it together little by little. And I know you, you're like me, you're going to make it happen in your own way. My mom has always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I think she saw that in me too. So she wasn't surprised when I told her I wanted to quit working for the man. Um, She'd been telling me in college to go into finance or consulting so I could get my coin for a couple years and then dip out to do my art, right? But I resisted so, so hard. My pushback game was phenomenal. Um, And of course, me in this situation at that time, I was like, wow, I really wish I had listened. Um, I'd even started asking around like my peers and stuff to see what it would take to get a job like that. Um, but eventually I kind of shifted and decided I, I was going to make a way, a different way, a harder way, but a way nonetheless. So for about two years, I worked part-time gigs like nannying and teaching SAT prep classes. Um, and I did freelance design and artwork wherever I could find it, um, where it made sense. I also ended up working part-time for my mom and her company, One Stop Grad. Uh, they're a full-service graduation vendor, um, school photography studio, apparel printing press, And that is part of how I came to start the all original brand by partnering with them to do the printing and bring those wearable art designs to life. Uh, So I just really felt like all of these things were adding up. And like my mom was saying, I was piecing things together, but I was supporting myself. I was still very much on a budget and the grind was so so real but I was okay like there were no more overdrawn bank accounts I proved to myself essentially that I could survive like I could hustle and then by 2019 I I had hit another wall the all original brand just like wasn't progressing at the rate I had wanted it to uh, despite me pouring all of my free time into it. Um, I hadn't cracked the code to turn a profit. And frankly, I was just tired of trying to figure it out. So then my gig funnel started to run dry and I was just quickly approaching burnout, physically, mentally, and financially. So I said to myself, okay, Aisha, what do you really have left to prove here? Okay. You can hustle, but what is the point of the hustle if you run yourself into the ground in the process? 
So I decided it was time to get a real quote unquote job again. And it wasn't easy making the transition back from the point that I decided to get a job again to the point when I got the job I currently have as a presentation designer, there was about a six month gap. I believe that there is a divine timing to our lives though. When I got that job, I was literally at the end of my rope financially. I remember sitting on my couch in my little apartment at the time, waiting for my first paycheck to hit my bank account and breathing a sigh of relief when it finally did. This next part of my story is called stability. It's been about a year since I've started working full-time again, and although my life doesn't look exactly like I thought it would or should by this age, I'm so thankful for where I am now. I'm more secure now, not only financially, but mentally too. I've realized since going back to work that It was actually the reboot I needed for my creative practice. Having my bills paid has allowed me to shift my relationship to making artwork. Instead of, oh, I have to make this to feed myself, it's, what do I want to make? Like, why? Why do I want to make this? Um, How do I make this? Is that the best way to make this? And I'm just asking deeper questions of myself and of my work and I'm getting more comfortable with not having all of the answers right away. This is ultimately how I came to start this podcast. Um, All original started out as a wearable art line with my illustrations and designs but after a while I realized that it was time to pivot. I don't know if I would have come to that conclusion had I not been working full-time. I think I might have felt the pressure to continue and just make it work uh, simply because I needed to eat. And I think the thing about that is some people thrive on being hungry, on scarcity that like really supercharges and like um, ignites this grind in them that it just... (laughs) It didn't for me. I've realized that I can survive in those conditions. Like I can get by, but I'm not going to thrive. I thrive when I'm fed and I'm secure. Once I realized that that was true of myself, I also realized that I needed a new space to live and to work in. Um, My apartment at that time was pretty small like a studio junior bedroom situation. It was like 350 square feet max. And while it was workable, I just could not spread out and get messy with my artwork the way that I wanted to. So I decided when my lease was up in July, I was out of there. I searched for two months prior to that to find a place with an extra room to use as my dedicated studio space. That was like my number one box that I had to check. I had to have a space where I could just dedicate my art to. And I knew that that, like having a physical space 
that was the only purpose was to create art in was gonna do wonders for me so I was literally checking Zillow Trulia all those apartment listing websites every single day like it was my job and I also worked with realtors to find spaces um but obviously with COVID happening the market in Chicago was really tight and I was just running out of time so around the end of June one month before my lease was up the realtor I'd been working with basically told me she couldn't help me anymore due to my budget and I was like okay girl bet I'll figure this out on my own I was (laughs) so determined like maybe that's naive but in this case my naivete like sometimes when you're when you don't know exactly what's what the the options are out there and you have any sense of hope that you can cling to that is the recipe to manifest something great and that's literally what I did because I just I was so determined I knew there was a space out there with my name on it I just knew it um and sure enough the next day a listing went up for this gorgeous vintage updated one bedroom with a dining room aka my studio space that's what I was looking for and I set up that showing and literally the moment I walked in I knew it was mine I barely had to look around I was like yep this is mine give me the papers (laughs) okay so I've been living in my new space for about two months now um and it's basically just marked a new era of my life. This is the first space I've truly chosen to live in as an adult. In the two apartments that I lived in previously since moving to Chicago, it was basically out of convenience. I just needed a space to live. Um, And while I believe that you can make a home out of anywhere, that doesn't always mean it is the best, most optimal home for you. This space feels like an optimal home for me at this point in my life. So now I know you're thinking, what are you making in that studio, girl? And let me tell y'all, I have been working in here, all right? I've been working on this really big abstract piece. Um, I've always wanted to dabble in abstract, but... I had all these blockages in my head that like that's not what people were looking for. Threw that out, just went for it. I'm playing with watercolor, which also I previously have never really touched as a medium. Um, And it's so fun, I love it. I just, I have this whole, or I did have this little challenge going for myself where I would just like play with watercolor and do like two pages a day of random like watercolor doodles and scribbles. And some of them are turning out pretty good. Like I'm, I am growing um, as an artist by challenging myself with things that make me feel uncomfortable. Um, I'm also planning to get a sewing machine and to bring back the wearable art with more of a physical design element because I really want to understand how clothes are constructed and how I can manipulate them to to be a piece of art in and of itself like the garment is is art so overall um 
your girl is working. <laughs> like this is probably the most consistently I've been working. I know it's only been two months I've been in here, but I just feel like I'm really tapped in to my creative energy. And it's like I finally got to this point where one, my bills are paid. Like check. Two, my space is exactly what I need. Big, big, big check. And three, there's no drama in my life other than, you know, just the ensuing craziness of this year that is 2020 and and just the world that we live in all the time, not just this year. But I think because of that, even more so, I'm just super thankful for my health and the life that I've been able to build and maintain for myself. Um, so I'm, I'm just truly fed and covered. And I'm like, what's left to do but create? That's where I'm at. And it just, it feels so, so good. It feels really good. So that brings us to part two, which is my lessons learned. This is just top three of what I think is like the most impactful from the first half of my 20s. But trust me, there was multiple lessons that I could have thrown in here. So just take this as like the highlights that I feel like sharing with y'all. And these all kind of feed into each other. Um, They make the most sense as a unit. So I'm going to do my best to connect the dots for y'all if you're not already seeing the connection. All right, that brings us to lesson one, which is the nine to five isn't selling out. I, going into my 20s, really had this idea in my head that I didn't want to be working the same sort of jobs that um, I saw a lot of my peers going into, like consulting, finance, um, going into law school, becoming doctors, etc. And at that time, I resented those paths because those were the ones that were most prominent um as I went through school like those were the ones that everyone was expecting you to be doing if you're coming out of Princeton um and like that's just what not what my path was I don't resent that anymore I just know like that's not me so I have come to a different understanding of what it means to work and how sometimes you separate that from your purpose in life and from where you ultimately find your fulfillment. And at the end of the day, I believe it's about survival. And moreover, it actually can be a strategic move to contribute to your larger purpose in life. So for me, I chose to look at it, uh, meaning going back to working a nine to five, kind of as a pit stop in my life. It's not going to be my final destination, but it can help me get there if I use it to refuel, just like, you know, you would at a gas station. You see what I did there? 
And I'm using that metaphor to mean a few different things. One, I'm rebooting my creative practice, as I kind of explained earlier, but I'm also just reinvesting in myself with the resources that I am earning from having this job. So that means I can be buying art supplies that I wasn't able to before, um, equipment, taking courses, and more literally, investing and saving money, which, girl, it's important to do that. All right, lesson two, know the conditions for producing your best work. So this one naturally flows um, from the previous one. Um, And I think you'll kind of see as I talk through it why, if it's not already obvious. I'm still learning this about myself. Um, But earlier in my 20s, it's something that I just didn't actively prioritize figuring out at all. Inspiration and motivation, as we all know, are fleeting. So if you're trying to build a creative practice around that, it probably won't work out right. Um, And it certainly didn't for me. But while I knew that I could and should cultivate some kind of routine for creating, I just didn't even know where to begin. It's kind of a daunting task to take on if you've never really given it any thought and I hadn't been paying attention to or keeping track of what I would call my creative triggers. At this point, I know that there are several triggers or factors that influence the quality of my creative output and how I kind of live in that creative energy, but I'm just going to share a few um, that I think make the most tangible difference for me. Number one is my physical health pretty self-explanatory but I think of some questions like how does my body feel did I move enough today did I move this week am I eating enough am I eating the right things like did I get my veggies and my fruits in today am I sleeping through the night um and I know these are all basics of self-care and they don't necessarily relate specifically to being a creative quote-unquote but They definitely relate to being just a healthy, functioning person, which is the basis for being a healthy, functioning, creative, in my opinion, and certainly for myself. For me, I know that getting these things taken care of or not can really make or break my ability to focus because if I'm not taking care of my body, it can't take care of me, right? And then I can't get this work done. I can't do anything, right? So it's really like the fundamental building block before I can get anything else popping. Number two related to that is mental health. This is tricky for me because I do attribute having a consistent creative practice to impacting and improving my mental health. But in order to even get to the point where I can have a consistent creative practice, my mental health has to be at a solid baseline. My anxiety has to be in check. Uh, This relates back to how I was constantly worried about paying bills before, right? So like having a job that is stable kind of takes out that worry for me and just stabilizes my mental health and my quality of life overall. And in turn, that has freed up precious mental space 
for ideation and execution. Like I've got to have some room in my brain to think, right? And then finally, consumption. And by this, I don't mean food. That goes back to physical health, which I already covered. I mean, what am I feeding myself creatively? What has inspired me lately? Can I diversify what I'm consuming? For me, I know I need several external creative touch points throughout my day and my week. The more diverse, the better. I mean diversity in terms of uh, the type of medium, but also genre styles within that. So for example, if I'm listening to a lot of R&B, I'll go ahead and throw on a new playlist with a mix of genres and just like see where that takes me. I'm also trying to pay attention to the substance of what I'm consuming. Like, it's fine if it's just something light and fluffy. Sometimes we need that, but sometimes you need something heavier, like that you need to like chew on and it's gonna take longer to digest. And there might be like a slower release of understanding um, from that material. For example, I would think of like watching a film like Moonlight versus a sitcom. You can peel back the layers for each of them, don't get me wrong, but your reaction to the pieces is likely to be inherently different because of the subject matter and the depth of the material. So that's why I try to be mindful of um, like keeping myself open so I'm inspired to laugh, to cry, and everything in between. And that becomes like fodder that is fueling my work either by osmosis or more directly. And this brings me to lesson number three, which is to keep the channel open. So I got this phrase from a quote by Martha Graham, who, if you are not familiar with her, she was a super influential dancer and choreographer um, in like the mid 20th century, I would say. So this is her quote. There is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. You do not have to even believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep yourself open and aware to the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction whatever at any time. There is only a queer, divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. Whew, okay. This quote really resonates with me because I struggled to keep my own channel open in my early 20s. Um, my channel was the most open when there was something I was actively working toward, like a commission project, pieces for a show, etc. For anything 
that I knew had a potential monetary value attached to it, that's when I would release most of my creativity. Like I said earlier, I was thinking about my work through the lens of like, how will this feed me? And not in 10 years time, how will it feed me next week, tomorrow? Of course, that is really toxic conditioning for any artist. I was conditioning myself essentially to only perform when I perceived that there was some kind of value being assigned to my work in advance of it actually being made. So to go back to Graham's metaphor about the channel, I was basically putting a dam or a blockage on my channel every time I wasn't working on something for money or for exposure. And like she said, if you block the work from coming out of you, it's going to be lost. There is no way to recreate the conditions for a specific moment in time in order to make the work that you would have made at that time. Like, it's just, it's going to be lost. So I ended up losing a lot of work simply by not creating anything for stretches of time in between those commissions or whatever. Honestly, I'm still working on recovering from this because it became such an ingrained behavior, but what I've noticed when I create consistently now is that I'm happier and more confident in my identity as a creative. As I said earlier, I had been challenging myself to play with watercolors every day in September, and that became like a grounding ritual for my day. I would log out of work, set up my watercolors, and just paint. Some of them were not good, y'all. Like they, <laughs> they were pretty crappy doodles, but that's just what so happened to come out of me that day at that moment in time. And then there were days where I got into a flow state and like something really dope ended up on the page. But what I take from that is you won't get as many of those days where it flows if you're not willing to push through the days where you're not at your best. One is necessary for the other. And like she's saying, you it's not your business <laughs> to, to judge yourself all the time. You just continue creating and allow the work to speak for itself. Essentially, that's what I take from it. And sometimes like you just need to release. It's like a pressure valve, um, especially as artists. Like I think if you keep it in, to a certain extent, it's gonna wear you down. Like you're allowing the pent up creative energy to control you. Moreover, um, when it comes to actually doing things for money, creating is like a muscle. So it stands to reason that if I'm using, if I'm used to flexing that muscle with consistency, it will grow. And the next time you're called upon to execute, like for a commission or show, whatever it is that is making you money through your creativity, it will only be that much easier because you're used to flexing that muscle. Like you just, you, you're already there. The only difference is the money. Basically, like stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? So to summarize and to kind of tie this through line together um, of these three top lessons that I learned in the first half of my 20s, lesson one, the nine to five is not selling out. Sometimes it's just a pit stop and it can be strategic. That leads to lesson two, 
which is to know the conditions for your best work. For me, one of those conditions for now is to actually have a nine to five. And the other conditions I have found through observing myself and those creative triggers that put me in the best mind state to create. Lesson three, keep the channel open. Uh, Once you know what those conditions are for producing your best work, then it's up to you to actually put your foot on the gas, right? Allow yourself to be open, to be creating consistently, to allow your creative energy to flow at all times, even even when you don't think it's gonna be the best. That's none of your business, as Graham would say. Okay, so I've brought y'all up to speed on what my 20s have looked like so far. All the lessons are the most important ones that I've learned. And now I want to let y'all know what I am manifesting creatively for my future. Number one is just making more work and showing more work. I haven't really shown work since 2018. And I'm just really hungry to get back out there and get my work in front of people and just be in the mix again because there's only so long you can go as an artist and not see people interacting with your work. Um, So it's time. And it was supposed to be time this year, but we all know what happened this year. And then I just kind of fell off with it. So 2021, your girl may be back out there. And if you've listened to the first episode, you know how pivotal my senior exhibition in college was for me. And I would just really love to have another solo exhibition on or above that scale. So I'm going to be manifesting that maybe not for next year, but perhaps like 2022. I think that is something I want to look forward to very soon. I also want to start offering work for sale again. So if you're following me on Instagram, which at the time of this podcast being released, my Instagram handle will be at Aisha in progress. Um, Then you'll start to see some more posts from in my studio in progress, pieces that are going to be going up for sale. And maybe just maybe if I get it together in time, a limited run of prints in time for the holidays. So keep an eye out for that as well. And then number two of my creative goals is growing this podcast. Y'all, I'm just really invested in creating this platform for and by black creatives. Like no one's got us like we got us, right? And it's not necessarily about the numbers, but I'm putting a number out there so it's tangible and actionable. My goal is to reach 25,000 downloads by the end of next year. And I think that's doable. I just, I'm gonna need some help. So for those of you who have reached out to me via text or Instagram or wherever with words of encouragement, just to share how this podcast has resonated with you, First of all, thank you so, so much for that. It truly means the world to me and honestly has been keeping me going thus far. I'm going to need your help 
to continue growing the show and allowing it to reach more ears that need to hear it. So if you would like to help out with some like concrete action steps, you can do one or more of the following. Number one is to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest one out of everything I'm going to give y'all. All you got to do is just open up the app, find Young Original in Black. You should already be subscribed, so just go ahead and click on it. Um, scroll down to ratings and reviews and then tap to rate. Number two, one step above that is to leave a review. So it's the same process, but just get a little bit more personal with it. It could be short and sweet to the point. I just want to hear your feedback, honestly, candidly, once again. Um, taking it off of Apple Podcasts, you can share an episode of the show on social media. Remember to tag me at Aisha in Progress or at All Original by AO, which is where you will see the updates for the show. Or this is the fourth action step you can take for me and quite possibly the one that could have the most impact is to share an episode. So text them. I don't know, Instagram, DM them, however you communicate with your friends, share an episode of the show with them, uh, especially other black creatives, people who you think want to hear some content like this who could really benefit. That would mean a whole lot to me. And that's all I have for you right now. I think that's enough homework, right? <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you so much for the support so far. Um, Thank you for listening. Do reach out to me. Um, let me know what you thought of this episode, what you want to see going forward. Um, I'm all ears. And like I said, this platform is supposed to be by us and for us. So I'm all about getting us in the mix, right? Um, and that's it for this episode. I will see y'all in the next one. Until then, stay young, stay original, and stay black. This is Aisha signing off. Bye.